they add so much to your life, but it's scary to think about what they could be taking away in your financial security by owning pets. Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name is Bridget. And you're listening to Money Feels, the podcast where we show you how to afford your fuzzy, furry little friend. Aww. And if you don't have one, <laughs> research purposes. Yeah, like exactly. I'm just here to ask questions and get intel because my daughter asks me if we can get a puppy every week. Don't get a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know your why behind that because your puppy's very cute. But how does your money feel today? Oh, it feels really good. I'm actually very excited because it's January. So all my health benefits reset with my insurance mm. and my health spending account. So last week I went to the dentist. I just came from a massage. Like I'm spending it up and it it feels like free money. And so it's great. <laughs> That's girl math. <laughs> we approve. How does your money feel? Uh, I don't know. Good. It's weird because I haven't been spending it. So I haven't been thinking about it. You're so Which busy. I feel like has the opposite effect. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the busyness. <laughs> I'm like, when would you spend it? You're so busy. You know what? I did spend money yesterday to buy a keyboard and a mouse because I'm doing so much work at my computer more than usual. And I don't have one. So my back is hurting so bad. So I also oh, yeah. need to book a massage. <laughs> but that's the only spending I've done. Practical essentials for my business. That's very impressive. Good for you. Good solid start to January. You're spending on the things that are free and I am not spending at all. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Today we're talking about pet expenses, all yes. pets, dogs more specifically. Well, I think we should talk about all pets because I think this is a budget line item that is quite large in a lot of people's expenses and I don't think we really appreciate how big it is. Like, I know I didn't until I get a dog. Dogs are way more expensive than cats. But now that I own a dog, I kid you not, I had a day where I was like, now I know why most Canadians don't max out their TFSA. <laughs> because they wanted to prioritize a pet. Because they're spending on pets. They're so expensive. I mean, I get it. They're really cute and they're a part of your family. So why wouldn't you want to spend money on those things? A hundred percent. That wasn't a criticism. It, it just the math made a lot more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is an interesting conversation, not just because of the cost associated, but because this week, I feel like you were getting so many unsolicited DMs of people telling you how to categorize your pet expenses, which I did not know was such a controversial opinion. I was also shocked that that caused such an uproar on the internet. The question that did it is I think I commented on someone else's budget when I saw on Reddit where they categorized their dog boarding as a travel expense. And personally for me, because I am boarding my dog for some of the trips that are coming up, I classify it as a pet expense. And I got, I kid you not, 200 DMs of people explaining that boarding is a travel expense because you wouldn't need it unless you were traveling. And I was like, yeah, but it's a pet expense because I wouldn't need boarding if I didn't have a pet. And so I just went back and forth with many people. And some people got very upset, which confused me because at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't really matter what category you put it in. <laughs> like, no, it, it never matters. <laughs> it, nev it never matters. But this was very upsetting. So I want to say, however you categorize your dog boarding, 
It's fine. It can be a travel expense. It can be a pet expense. Maybe it's a housing expense because you're technically housing your pet. I don't care. Just as long (laughs) as you're tracking it and you're not spending more than you make, I think it's fine. And that's the topic that came up. And it's because now these are expenses that I have to think of that I didn't previously have to consider. I have two cats. I got one in 2020, my pandemic cat. And then I got a second in 2022. And then I got a dog in November of 2023. And when I owned cats, I know it's so many animals. I'm stressed. (laughs) It's so many animals that even like, I'm shocked because when you're the their owner and you're the one that feeds them and cares for them, they all follow you. So all my animals <laughs> just follow me room to room. So often I'm sitting in the living room and all the animals are in there with me. And I'm just like, why is there so many pets? We have more pets than people in my household, which is a lot. And it also is distressing to me because I realize I'm becoming my mother when I oh, grew no. up. I grew up in a house full of cats and dogs. And when I moved out, I'm like, I'm never going to have that many pets. And here we are. I'm I'm there with so many pets. Uh, you know what? I grew up always having a dog. So I've had like many dogs in my life. And we had tons of cats because I lived on an acreage. So you just needed them oh, yeah. to take care of like mice and, and rodents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just around. Yeah, but I cannot fathom adding the expense is one thing, but the responsibility is an entirely different thing for me. So that's why I don't have pets right now. Having two kids is so much work. I cannot imagine adding another small human animal that I'm supposed to take care of. (laughs) That's totally fair. When you said that, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would have gotten a dog if I had another child. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, having a dog's like having a toddler with claws. Like, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) People get very upset about the comparison between dogs and babies. But I think they're is a period where they're they're kind of the same because both of them keep you awake, both of them cost you money, and both of them require a lot of attention. A hundred percent. Those those are the similarities. Like I'm definitely of the camp of not over anthropomorphizing your pets. What, what is that the correct word for making your pets? I've like never people? heard that word, but sure. Yeah, where people treat their pets more like human beings than animals. I'm still like a dog is a dog and treat it like a dog, but I do understand that they are a lot of responsibility and part of your family and you love them and things like that. I just can't handle when people uh, call me my dog's mom. They're like, you're a dog mom. And I'm like, no, I'm her master. (laughs) (laughs) I just looked it up. It's anthropomorphize. That's what I was reading in my brain, but I didn't know how to pronounce it correctly. You and your reading in your brain. <laughs> yes, that's, it's attributing human characteristics or behavior to an animal or object. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Good. <laughs> Good. I yes. got it right. I think that's really common in our culture these days. Like I called my spreadsheet she the other day, which is, <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so you got you got a dog. This is your most recent one. I feel like prior to you having this dog, I never heard you talking about pet expenses at all. So obviously, it's like a huge transition for you. Yeah, because cats are not very expensive. Cats, you buy litter and you buy food and you're kind of set. And also when you get a cat, you just like bring it to your house and you let it free. And that's, you're done. That's good. Uh, <laughs> cats, of course, can still 
like scratch up things. You can buy them treats and toys and stuff like that, but it's just not the magnitude of expenses as having a dog. And one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is just because I was so caught off guard and so surprised by how expensive having a dog is. And it's quite embarrassing to admit that because I think that you should be prepared to get a dog before you get one. And you shouldn't get one on a whim like I did. You should (laughs) plan and think about it and budget instead of just add one to your life and then be shocked that it's in your home. Because I feel like it was a more challenging adjustment for me because I was not prepared. Can you kind of tell us what the main expenses have been so far? Because it's only been a couple of months. So, and you got your dog from a shelter. So you didn't have to buy Mm -hmm. your dog, which happens for a lot of people who want a puppy. (laughs) Yeah. So what have your expenses been? So I adopted my dog from Second Chance Animal Rescue, which is a local animal charity that I also got my cats from. And I love them and support them a lot. And I was going to a fundraiser and accidentally picked up a puppy. And now that puppy lives in my house. But (laughs) um, even if you're adopting from a shelter or a rescue agency like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be no cost. Usually they take very good care of the pets and they come spayed or neutered, microchipped and everything, have their first vaccines. And so I think my dog was like 560 or close to $600 in just adoption fees. Oh, okay. Which again, I didn't know it cost that much until they sent me the bill. Like I said, I'm coming to get the puppy on this day and they're like, okay, here's your invoice. And I was like, oh my. Yeah, that's more expensive than I was realizing. Yeah, I I was shocked too. I should have inquired before (laughs) making all these decisions. Okay, so step one, inquire about the cost to adopt. (laughs) Yes. And then introducing a puppy to your home is not quite the same as cats. Like I said, with a cat, you can just let it loose and it lives in your house. Uh, Dogs, you cannot let loose particularly if they are puppies. So I crate trained. Uh, I guess there's a big division on whether or not to crate train. So please, internet, don't come after me. I am in the crate train camp. So I had to buy a crate for my dog, a bed. And then I also bought like a little pen to go around the crate so she could come out of the crate but not have full range of the house. I also bought baby gates for my upstairs and downstairs for when I did let her have range of the house. So altogether, I would say that was at least $1,000 on gear when all was said and done. Plus like leash, harness, feeding bowls, toys. It it definitely was $1,000 in just stuff for the puppy. That's a lot. Those are, yeah. So supplies, the adoption fees. And do you have pet insurance? I did get pet insurance. Pet insurance is like so cheap compared to <laughs> compared to the other expenses. I don't have pet insurance for my cats, but I do have it for my dog. I don't know if I'll maintain it for my dog's entire life because it does get more expensive as they age because they're more likely to need care. But I figured since she was a puppy and I didn't really have like a pet emergency fund or anything, and she goes outside, she runs into trees and eats everything, it seemed a better financial decision to just have the insurance on hand. So I think my policy is only like 30 or $35 a month and she's insured up to like 10 grand. That's, that's, that seems like a lot, but then also how much would a vet expense be? Okay. And that's the craziest thing too, because pet healthcare is pretty good compared to human healthcare. You know, Canadian healthcare, absolutely collapsing pet healthcare, 
still pretty solid. Overwhelmed, but very solid. <laughs> pets, you can get MRIs for your pets, x-rays. They go into surgery if they need it. So it's actually surprisingly easy to ring up a $10,000 bill if your pet were to need something like emergency surgery. So just knowing that I have that coverage in case something catastrophic were to happen is really reassuring. But yeah, it, you can end up spending a lot at the vet for unexpected expenses. You also have to pay for regular checkups. You can buy, you can often buy things to add on to the insurance, but I made the decision to just pay out of pocket for these. But I've spent over $350 at the vet for the dog already. And that's just for her vaccine boosters and deworming and checkups. And how frequently do you have to take the dog in? Because it's that's, it's been three months. Yeah, I've only had to take her in twice so far, and that was for her booster shots. Now she's good for a while, I think until like six months or a year, because she's all boosted up and good to go. But those were some initial visits that were pretty expensive out of pocket. So now we're obviously at over $2,000 for my dog that I spent in the first two months. And again, this was not a planned expense to me because I'm a little bit of an idiot. I... <laughs> just barreled out. like i it sounds so silly i'm just going to i'm just going to be fully transparent with how silly this is and just endure it some people will find this touching some people will find this wacko but the only way i can explain it is i picked up this dog at that event and it was just my dog it just felt like my dog i had a soulmate connection with this animal i didn't want a dog i wasn't looking for a dog i don't think i'm a dog person but that was my dog and so i had to get it that's exactly how I ended up with my last dog as well. Yeah, like sometimes you just know. And I, I hold puppies and other kittens all the time. I love animals and I don't usually take them home. But <laughs> I was just like instantly bonded to this dog. And she's just my animal soulmate. And so she has to live in my house. So she costs what she costs, but it is a lot. She also eats a ton because I am silly and got a large breed dog. I wish I had fallen in love with like a Chihuahua because this dog is going to be gigantic. She's half lab, half husky. And her bags of food, which we've gone through two already, are like $110. Okay. So <laughs> at first I was like, well, a lot of these are one-time expenses, so it can't be that much consistently. But the food alone is around $100. You're already averaging around $100 a month on the vet. You have $30 <laughs> in life insurance fees. Do you also have an emergency fund for your pet? I don't. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to make one just because I'm in the position that I think that I can absorb any expenses. Like I accidentally got a dog for over $2,000 and it, right. at Christmas and it only disrupted my budget like a little. So I can absorb it. But for other people, like do think about how much you need, what, if you're not using insurance, what kind of bill you would need to cover or at least have help covering. If you are getting insurance, what is your deductible? Set some aside for that. And yeah, there's just a lot of unexpected expenses. I'm not even done. Should we keep going with the expenses? Yeah. I need to know what other expenses there are because <laughs> I'm already shocked. <laughs> we're only about four in. Well, the other thing that is being challenging too is she's growing so fast. Like I've already had to go through two harnesses because she's getting bigger. I thankfully just got the largest crate I could at the time, so it still fits her. But they grow big and then they need more 
toys as they're growing and they lose their puppy teeth and then they get their adult teeth so they need different toys then I spend a shocking amount of time like preparing frozen dog treats all the time like this is a daily or every second day activity of making frozen treats for my dog because she really likes that there's a lot of caregiving and animal animal raising I guess and then I also hired a trainer to come in and work with her because originally I registered for puppy classes, but this was November and they didn't start till January. And I was like, I can't have an untrained dog until January. So I brought a trainer into my home. I don't remember how much that was. I think maybe another five or $600. It was a lot, (laughs) but I did end up with a trained dog and I devoted a lot of time to training my dog. And then I was so proud the last time the trainer came, she was like, you don't really need to do the puppy classes if you're doing like puppy socials. Like your dog already knows all the commands that she needs to know and you won't get anything from it. And I was like, oh my God, I trained my dog. (laughs) Aw, that's so satisfying. Yeah. So a trainer is really valuable, especially when they're really young. And then now I do take her to puppy socials through the Humane Society. She goes once a week to those. They're only $16 or $17. I also send her to doggy daycare once a week, not because I actually need the care, but I'm trying to socialize her to that and adjust her to that place so we can use it for boarding when I go on vacation. And I think the doggy daycare costs about $35 a day. I bought a 10-pack for $350, so works out to $35 a day. And then um, boarding, I don't actually know how much boarding is because I haven't used it yet. But I've I've now lost track. Are you tracking these? Are you writing these down in a spreadsheet? How many thousands of dollars? No, I was just about to ask you, how much in total have you spent so far on this dog? I, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to look. I think it's probably $4,000 if I had to guess. Yeah. We're getting close. I was going to estimate just below 5,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I also pay to like get her nails trimmed. She does. She's not a breed that needs a lot of grooming, but her nails get really long. So we do that. I think that what I'm learning here is you can budget for those consistent expenses. Like, you know, you're going to need to take your dog to the salon and to get their nails Mm -hmm. trimmed like every few months you know you're gonna have to buy dog food every month you know you're gonna have to buy toys every few months you'll need support like whether it's boarding or doggy daycare some people I know have to hire dog walkers because they don't work from home so I just feel like it's really hard to actually track what you spend on your animal unless you are tracking every single expense for probably the first one or two years so that you can actually get averages. And especially if you're deciding whether you're tracking those pet expenses as pet or travel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I would guess, and I had a few conversations in my Instagram DMs with other dog owners, and I think it 300 to $400 a month is not unreasonable to budget for a dog. Yours might be a little less depending on the dog's age. Like obviously I adopted a puppy. She needed everything from the beginning plus training. If I had chosen an older dog, maybe she wouldn't have needed, or she at least wouldn't be outgrowing a harness every four weeks in that case. So it does depend a lot on the size and breed and temperament of the dog you get. But I don't think 
estimating $300 to $400 a month is unreasonable. If you're adopting a new dog or you're getting a dog for the first time, I would say have at least $2,000 saved up for expenses and then whatever additional is the adoption or the breeder's fee. Because I know some people buy dogs from breeders that are thousands of dollars. So you might need to save up $5,000 before you even get the dog and then three to four or even $500 a month on ongoing pet expenses. Yeah, it's a serious addition to your budget. Like you cannot just on a whim like you did go in (laughs) and buy a dog. (laughs) It's like your TFSA will suffer as mine will now. I just think it's really interesting because when you talk to actual pet owners, like I looked up the average cost because I was just curious if it was going to line up with what you've spent or what you think you're going to spend. And it's nowhere even close. Like the estimation was between seven hundred to two thousand dollars a year. Okay, and I saw you're that. Coming I saw- in, yeah, around thirty six hundred plus. <laughs> Someone sent me an article like that that was like the estimate of pet expense of owning a dog, and the internet was losing their minds. Like it had thousands of comments on this article that was just dog owners rage commenting that it was so much more expensive than they said. So yeah, this like $700 to $2,000 a year is insanely affordable. I think my dog costs will go down when my dog needs like less training and isn't outgrowing her stuff all the time. And like even the things I listed, these were just direct pet expenses. My dog has also like put holes in a number of my clothes. She thankfully hasn't destroyed any furniture or shoes yet, but I don't know. She's still a puppy. And so I think you might like maybe having a pet emergency fund or thinking about those costs is also for like, what has my dog destroyed in my home and that I need to replace? And that can be a massive cost. Yeah, I think a sinking fund at the very least for those one-off expenses, like an additional trip to the vet that you weren't planning for, Mm -hmm. because sometimes I know that pet insurance doesn't always cover what you're going to need. Yeah. So if you need that extra buffer, I feel like that would be a super helpful way to save because (laughs) it can just be a really low amount until you need that money. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like expenses might decrease as you're pet gets older, but then you have to consider that other expenses will increase. So I feel like it'll kind of average out when the medical expenses become more frequent. A hundred percent. I think you get a nice like lull in your dog's midlife. And then obviously the care costs go up when your animals are seniors. And this will probably actually be true for my cats as well. My cats are very low key, low expense. My biggest expense for my cats is their litter because I'm like allergic to regular litter. So I buy a very expensive litter that's like $95 a month, which is absurd. But I have to because I'm allergic. And otherwise my cats cost me like virtually nothing. But I think when they're old and senior cats, you have to buy like special food and medicine. And at that point, like I know some people go to great lengths to care for their senior animals and they do absolutely everything to keep them alive to great personal expense and emotional expense. And you're also going to have to decide at what point, like what is your limit of what you feel you can give to your pet and what is really their limit of good quality of life at that age. And if the expenses that you incur at that time is worth it in the context of, am I giving my pet many more good years of life or many pain-free years of life? And is this a reasonable expense to pay for that? Or am I really paying out of pocket for something that might not benefit them or they're still going to end up in pain? Because 
it's really hard to watch your animals age. It's similar to like watching our parents age, like our bodies break down and it's very, it's very difficult. And you have to make the decisions, not only financially, but emotionally, what expenses are you willing to take on uh, to keep it going at that time? And then if you're going to consider getting another pet after, because our pets don't live forever, I don't like my dog's probably only going to live like 13 to 15 years. My cats are going to live like 20 years because <laughs> the cats almost live forever. But then at that point, it's like, am I going to keep getting more pets <laughs> at that point? Probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so I was going to ask that question. Like, do you have to plan for how much you're willing to spend? And can you or should you do this? Because as humans, we do we do kind of do that, like picking our power of attorney and being like, here's what I want. Like, should you do that when you get a pet so that you're prepared for those instances later? And it's not an emotional decision because I feel like a lot of people are willing to like uproot their entire financial stability for an animal, which I understand because I know how important they are to people and to families. But at, at what point, yeah, do you kind of have to make decisions and is it better to make that plan right away when you get a pet? I think it's, you might try to make that plan before or right away when you get a pet and you're looking at it objectively when your pet's in perfect health and you're feeling great about everything. I think it's harder to stick to those things in the future. I think it's good to think about them now. I don't know if you're going to make non-emotional decisions when the moment actually comes though. And so in that case, that's when having additional savings and pet insurance and things like that can really help out. Well, yeah, I think that's really all I was curious about is like, do you need both? Do you need an emergency fund and insurance? How do you decide which is the right choice? (laughs) I think you need both. And especially when your pet is younger, insurance will kind of fill the gap. It's very much the same as having life insurance while you're building your retirement accounts when you're young. So when your puppy or other animal is very young, you're going to rely more on insurance being there to cover you as you build up that emergency fund. But then as your pet ages, those insurance premiums are going to go up, but hopefully you have a larger emergency fund save because if you had any emergencies previously, you would have accessed the insurance, not your own savings. And so then you can kind of switch and either stop the insurance payments and continue building up that emergency fund. And that's exactly the same as like how we are in our life. Your life insurance matters most when you have very little assets. As you age and build up those retirement accounts and become more financially independent, you can get to a point where you don't have to use life insurance anymore. That's so funny because all I was thinking is how many comparisons there are between humans and animals. And I was like, I feel like this is actually a way to become very financially resilient because you suddenly have to create a financial plan for a 15-year period instead of a 65-year period, 75-year period. Yeah, you do. And you should. I think that's my only like saving grace is while I got the puppy on a whim, I have planned the next 15 years of how she's going to fit in my life. Another thing that's maybe an aside to that, but is important to note is make sure to update your will with your pet's care in the event that you were to pass away. Because for me, my daughter's obviously too young to take on the responsibility of caring for my pets and I don't want them to go back to the shelter. So I've actually like designated someone that will be responsible for my pets and allocated a portion of my assets to their care. And that was a will update I I did immediately, like the week my puppy came home. 
Yeah, I think all I'm hearing is do everything you would do for yourself, but for your pet. And <laughs> if you are doing it for your pet and not for yourself, this is a sign that you got to treat yourself as good as you treat your animals. Because <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of people are like, yes, I've done this, but have not done it for themselves yet. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's really interesting. I listened to another uh, podcast that was talking about has owning a pet become a luxury in Canada mm. because it is so expensive now. I feel like our culture around pet ownership has changed, at least from when I was a kid. When I grew up with uh, dogs and cats, they were kind of like free range animals that happened to come inside the house at night, right? Like it was very casual, not engaged. Now I feel like pet ownership is a lot more labor intensive and it's more financially demanding and all the costs have increased. And I think it's really hard for people. It's just hard for everyone because it is so expensive, but they add so much to your life, but it's scary to think about what they could be taking away in your financial security by owning pets. I know. Even just getting a fish is overwhelming to me because I don't have any of the supplies alone. Like seriously, the amount of things you have to buy feels like overwhelming to me. For a fish? Can't you just get like a fish bowl? Throw some rocks in it, some water? I don't know. We'll probably, people will come after us for saying that. Some people take having fish very seriously. (laughs) I guess it depends on the type of fish that you're having. I I know. I just think like for me, because my daughter sees other families with pets, it's kind of like a keeping up with the Joneses thing too. Is a hundred percent. You feel like everybody has a dog. Everybody got a dog during the pandemic. It was like yeah. the thing to do because you needed a companion or you needed some way to get yourself outside, which are valid reasons. But then now my kid sees everyone with their dogs and wants one. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. And it's like, how do you explain to your kid that it's because of the cost and the responsibility? It has nothing yeah. to do with my, like, I want a dog. Obviously, I love them and they're my favorite animal. But when it comes down to it, like, we have a lot of other financial obligations. It's so hard. And I think one thing that's really sad and challenging is there are people that have to surrender their pets because their financial circumstances change. And I think that's something you have to seriously consider if you're in a financially vulnerable or financially precarious position, that that might not be the best time to add a pet to your life. Because if your circumstances do change, you might have to give up that pet, which is traumatic for all parties involved. But it really it really makes me sad that pet ownership is becoming more financially inaccessible. And this manifests in a lot of ways, not just the out-of-pocket costs of pet ownership, but in the type of housing you have to have. A lot of houses and apartment rentals don't allow pets of any kind. I know many of the places I live, that was always a caveat that they were like, you can't own pets. And then the only reason I'm able to own the dog that I do is because I have a detached house with a yard. I think there are a lot of people out there that would love to own a dog and it's just not conducive to the lifestyle that they live. And it can put your housing at risk, especially in Canada's current housing market, that if you were to face an eviction, how much harder it's going to be to find a place that can accommodate you and your pet or a number of pets if you have more than one. And that's really, really scary and really depressing to talk about. And now I've just depressed myself thinking about that. (laughs) Well, I just think that's a really good 
like point, like how much of a luxury it is, how much of a privilege it is to have animals because yeah, it's, it's not essential, but at the same time, it does increase your quality of life. So much. I think looking back now that I have a house full of pets versus a time when I had zero pets, I'm really glad I did wait to get my animals until I had more financial stability and more security in my housing and my routine. I think if I had gotten pets in my 20s, it would have been very difficult because first of all, every single dollar was just more precious and you have to change your lifestyle so much in order to care for a pet, especially a dog, because they are so demanding attention wise. Yeah. I mean, I guess now I'm going to look at people that have animals and think you're rich, rich. (laughs) Because... I know I know how much you're spending every single month. <laughs> it's true. It's like a big luxury. And then you're like, you must live in a decent housing to accommodate that pet, somewhere that allows you to have pets and things like that. Which, speaking of, I don't know if you spend very much time on like real estate TikTok. I love luxury real estate TikTok as just like a consumer, not not an investor and not a buyer, but a lot of new apartment buildings that are getting built have pet amenities in them, which I think Mm. is so cool. They have like little indoor dog parks and dog wash stations. And I'm like, this is incredible. So I think there is a little bit of a culture that's changing in a positive way because I think it's really cool to have those facilities in very dense housing, like apartment living, because then I think it makes it easier and more affordable for many people to own pets. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I was just curious. And it is dogs and fish that are tied for the most popular pet. And that's come in third. <laughs> the lowest investment and the highest investment one. I don't know. I'm trying, like, the next thing I'm hoping I don't do is get a horse because I also really loved horses when I was growing up. And I'm like, just don't get a horse because then I have to board the horse. And yeah, that's a completely different expense that I I don't think you're going to want to incur. I don't know. I like them though. I do really horses like horses. Horses are like $50,000. Yeah, not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, if you build your dream home one day, you could have your own ranch and then that would reduce your expenses. Oh no, I wouldn't put horses on my property. Now we're getting carried away. But I do like also that millennials are very much a pet ownership generation. Like, have you seen the statistics on that? No, I need to know them. I don't remember them offhand, but I know millennials have more pets than any other generation before them. And there's all these hilarious articles saying like millennials are more likely to own dogs than to have children. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. (laughs) Like, honestly, overall, all the expenses, even though they seem high, they are still more affordable than having a kid. A hundred percent. You get the same a lot of similar benefits, like you have a companion and someone that you can spend your time with. And I think like both of those things are important. So when it's like a three, would you pay $300 for that every single month? Like, yeah. Yeah. Of course. I do. We need that sort of social connection. So <laughs> I do think it's a good expense. I'm also just like, do you know how much you spend in total on dogs, cats, Um, well, just because my dog expenses are new and I got my dog at a time when I still wasn't very diligently, uh, checking or tracking my expenses, I would guess like 
yeah, definitely three to $400 a month on the dog and then like $120 a month on the cat. So I'm in the neighborhood of like $450, $500 a month on all of my animals, but I have a lot of them. I would recommend people make like just one pet is nice. Maybe get one pet. Yeah. I was going to say, is there like a general, I know people really like to assign rules and percentages to <laughs> what they can afford. What do you feel like would be reasonable for someone who is considering a pet, but isn't a hundred percent sure if they can afford it? Like how much of your budget should you be able to allocate to your pets? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. That's so interesting to consider. I like, I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule. I think at the end of the day, pet ownership is really a leisure expense. So I think as long as you're like paying down your debts, you're able to save for the long term and you're meeting all your other financial obligations, then it's perfectly fine to spend your free extra money on pet ownership. Maybe you have to cut back in other areas. Like maybe you don't go out to restaurants as much. Maybe you don't buy as many clothes. Both of those things maybe make sense if you're owning a pet. You don't want to own fancy clothes that your pet's (laughs) going to get hair and holes in. You won't go out to restaurants as much when you always have to get home to let your dog out. But I think as long as your other financial obligations are met and you're willing to absorb the cost of pet ownership, then I think it's great. I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast rule of thumb. I think you just have to count it as leisure spending, not not a need, even though that's is very tempting. The thing that's challenging about adding a pet to your life is once you bring that expense on, it's staying. Yeah, it's not something you can remove from your budget whenever you feel like it. Yeah, and I think that's what people have to think about more seriously is that if I take on this expense, I'm going to have it for a decade, unless you adopt a senior dog or a middle-aged dog or an older cat, which you absolutely can do and should. Those animals all need loving homes too. And that can kind of reduce the burden a little bit time-wise. But then again, we talked senior animals might need more specialized care. But yeah, just know that once you're undertaking the responsibility of pet ownership, it's not a budget line, line item you can easily cut if your circumstances change. And On that note, it's also worth considering like how much, depending on what kind of pet you choose, it impacts your lifestyle and work schedule and how that will impact what you can do at work. Like I just mentioned that it can be harder to get housing you want if you have a pet. So if you have to relocate for a job or anything, just having a pet to move also adds so many additional expenses and stress to that undertaking. So sometimes it makes sense to just get your life settled, especially like if you're adopting a puppy, you need to take like a few weeks off to just be Mm -hmm. home with the puppy from work. So maybe you're using your vacation days for that, or maybe you're actually taking some unpaid time and that's another cost. So as long as you're aware of all the costs and willing to pay them, then I think pet ownership is great. But I do like, I know I didn't realize how expensive it was until I got a dog and I just feel very lucky that I did it in a time in my life when I have the financial stability to afford it. Because if I'd done it in my 20s, I, I know the thing I would have cut is like my RRSP. <laughs> I would have just not put any money in my RSP and I would have just had a dog instead. And I don't want to say that's terrible, but it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to shame you, but <laughs> please be mindful. Yeah, because now that I get, like, how can you tell someone, like, 
not to have a pet because they add so much to our life. And I think those people, like, I still think I'm not a dog person. I just really like my one dog, but dogs overall, I'm not like, I don't get it. But dog people are dog people. And it's really hard to tell them not to get a dog in their 20s, even if you're like, this means you won't have enough for retirement. (laughs) Well, yeah, you can argue like there's so many psychological benefits to having a pet. But I really think like what I've gotten from you in the last five minutes, especially is like the lifestyle disruption is an additional cost. That is something you cannot even consider until you're in the situation, like cleaning expenses, yeah, yes. taking time off work, how it impacts your vacations, how yeah. it impacts just your day-to-day life, like what you can and cannot do with the time right. restraints and the extra care. Yeah. And for anyone that's gotten a new dog, because I've gotten some DMs from people that are following my puppy journey because they just got a puppy, which I think is very cute. Uh, it's very normal to go through a period of what they call the puppy blues, where you just have a moment where you're like, what the hell did I do? And you kind of regret adding a pet to your life. I felt this pretty strongly. I would say like the second weekend that I owned my dog and she was like biting up my hands. My hands were like bleeding. I was getting up to let her out every two to three hours at night. So I wasn't sleeping and it was just like chaos. And she was so expensive and so nippy. I was so angry and I was like what did uh, what did I do I just spent all this money on this like little demon animal to terrorize <laughs> me 24 hours a day and y- it does get better when you get through that I also spent a lot of time on the puppy reddit like puppy 101 is the reddit sub and you can all see people like losing their minds at like 9 to 11 weeks they're like I need to rehome <laughs> my dog you don't need to rehome your dog it's just a phase that you have to get through. But there's an emotional cost to that too. Like as much as pets add to our lives, there can be like a brief period after you first get them, you've spent all this money, they've disrupted your life so much where you're like, what did I just do to myself? And that's sad, but you can get past it. So just stick th- stick with it. Now I'm obsessed with my dog, but I thought I made a huge mistake two weeks in and I was just too embarrassed to tell anyone. <laughs> I am curious though, like what are your top resources then because you I feel like I I've told you this already so many times but if anyone's read lessons in chemistry Bridget and the main character are so similar in my (laughs) in my mind to begin with and she also has a dog and I feel like your relationship with your dog is very similar to hers so I know that you care a lot about the training and the consistency and the routine so what are your favorite resources because I know people are curious well Yeah, I think I approach dog ownership in a different way than most people will. I approach dog ownership in the same way I approach anything in life where I just don't think it's worth doing unless you're going to do it to the very best of your capacity. I used to only do things if I could be the very best ever at them, (laughs) but I've toned it down that now I only try to be like the best to my ability. And that's improved my mood considerably. But it's very important to me to have an extremely well behaved dog that is super obedient and like essentially thinks I'm the center of her world and will not do anything until she checks with me first. So I've been obsessed with training. The best resource I found is a dog trainer named Zach George. He has a ton of YouTube videos and great books I've read his books. I watched all his YouTube videos. And that's actually what really, I think, helped train my dog. So even when the trainer came, she was like, oh, your dog knows all the basic commands. And I was like, yes, because (laughs) she has to. She's my dog. And then 
that's been the re- best resource. I've also been spending a lot of time on like dog training TikTok and just general dog life TikTok. There's great videos about like dog enrichment activities, which is where I learned how to make all those frozen foods and make puzzles for your dog. And again, these are things I think the culture's changed with pet ownership because like we didn't make my dog puzzles. No, in the we're 90s. like, here's some peanut butter in a tube. <laughs> That's a puzzle. That's actually, that counts. That's a good okay, enrichment great. activity. So, okay. So maybe you did a little bit more. We were like, it's the dog. But uh, I do find TikTok it's has some the great reasons. <laughs> it's the dog. Uh, yeah. It's just the dog. It doesn't need any more attention. You know, it's just there. <laughs> but uh, TikTok has great like uh, videos and I also learned a few training things there. I really love to watch the videos of people who are training service dogs or police dogs because their training is very intense. And that's now what I'm putting my dog through. Oh, <laughs> this I feel like people will understand this so much more after last week's episode. I don't, you know what? I just think people, I, now I get it. Like now that I'm a dog owner, I realize most people just try to get the basic commands. So their dog like, can do the five things they need, like sit, lay down, stay, come, mm-hmm. and don't don't jump on people. But people kind of get lazy with that last one. And I don't know <laughs> if everyone fully trains it out. But I'm like, what's the point in having a dog if it's not going to be the best dog that it can be? So no, I'm like fully training my dog intensely for the next two years. And at that point, I'll reevaluate if she's at her max or not. Oh, that's actually really <laughs> cute because it just makes me think you care. You would only invest that much time in someone who had the potential. Oh, yes. She's super smart. And honestly, she becomes a little terror if we're not doing training because I think it's fun for her. So she thinks it's our like playtime is training, which works out for both of us. (laughs) That's so cute. Okay. Is there anything else that you feel like is imperative for potential pet owners to know that we haven't covered in today's episode? I don't think so. I think we covered all the costs. I do want to encourage people to check out some of the free and discount services like the Humane Society. And if you are interested in getting a pet, consider adoption. Uh, I think there's lots of benefits and downsides to buying from a breeder and there's benefits and downsides to adopting from a shelter. So I don't, I don't think like one choice is necessarily better than the other, but I'm very much about rescuing the animals because they need our love too. So consider that because it is going to be the more affordable option likely as opposed to getting a designer pet. And yeah, otherwise just be aware of the expense and consider where you're willing to make trade-offs elsewhere because you will have to make trade-offs in lifestyle and as well financially and that's okay it's worth the investment it's the same you and I have talked like with our kids like I knew that having a baby would impact my income for a few years and change my lifestyle and I was okay with that it was still worth it to have a child and I think the same is true with a dog it will change your finances it will change your lifestyle but if it's worth it to you then it's absolutely an investment you should make I agree with everything you just said wrapped up with a bow (laughs) thank you for listening to today's episode of bunny feels you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen and join our patreon for more bonus episodes if you want to support us for free you can leave a review and we'll see you next time 
You can follow us on Instagram at mixed up money for me, at Bridgie Casey for Bridget, and at Money Feels Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye.